everyone. Welcome to another episode of Lumen Industries Radio. This is a Mangum Talks podcast covering the Apple Plus TV series Severance. I am your host, Lee. I'm here. I'm joined by my co-host, Spencer. Spencer, how are you? Flabbergasted how much the show is willing midway through the season to just flip over the table of all the rules I expected for how this universe would operate. Any understanding I thought I had of the Severance procedure or how it would interact with the world, just gone. Dead. We're in a whole new world and era now, and I'm playing catch-up. Well, you probably didn't get the memo. I, I try to come in light. You know, we have the really light opening music. You came in real hot this week, Spencer. You, you've taken it to an 11 real fast. Spencer, I, so I've taken it. You liked the episode. I'm hearing I'm hearing that you liked it. I, pro- this was the episode that just floored me more than any episode we've had yet. I thought it was easily one of the best. I thought it was cons- surprising in a way I didn't know the show could still do. Just from... It, it, it's like it massively dialed up the scale of where previously this was, you know, a drama, it was mystery, it was certain elements of horror, gore, gore going into it. Now it's just suddenly of a much broader potential scale and effect that I was previously pondering, and that just makes it all the more fabulous. So this is a Mangum Talks podcast. On Mangum Talks podcast, we cover an awful lot of television and movies if you like our stuff, you like listening to Spencer and I gab, you can go to mangumtalks.com or go to your favorite podcast platform. Whatever you're listening to now, type in Mangum Talks. You can check out all of our stuff. Got a lot of things coming up, Spencer. We got some things in the hopper. Definitely in August, we've got Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. So we'll be covering Ahsoka in some form or fashion, likely with our other Mangum Talks co-host, Jamie. And then we will be getting in the spring... House of the Dragon season two. I'll probably drag Spencer to North Carolina. I'll probably have at least one live recording there. Drag um, me up there. For that. Or maybe I'll go to Florida. I don't know. We'll do one or the other. Uh, but other than that, we're kind of up in the air with the actors, actor strike, the writer strike as to what we'll do. There's a lot of backlog, a lot of good television we could do. But keep following us on all of our social, facebook.com slash Mangum Talks or twitter.com. I guess it's X now. I don't know. Uh, we'll in any case, we're at Mangum Talks and all of our updates will be there. But before we get to any new material, we have to finish out season one of Severance. Spencer, we are on episode six. We are firmly in the back half of the season now. And this is where I feel smug. This is where I feel smug. Because I, think about how you, you often, should. I mean, Victory I told lap. you so many times on different podcasts that had nothing to do with this television show that Severance was really good. We had that sort of now famous in the annals of Mangum Talks podcast history famous exchange where I was like, what did you think of house of the dragon when in the golden globe? And you were like, uh, it was good. And I was like, fuck that. Severance should have won, which completely <laughs> threw you for a loop. But this is, this is the type of, this is probably more than any of the other episodes emblematic of my confidence that it is a really good show because I feel like it's hit its stride. You're getting answers. I wouldn't call it a slow drip, but the faucet's not all the way on either. It's enough to keep my interest, but it's not, and it's not too much. I'm not being inundated with information. Mm-hmm. I, after I watched this episode for the first time, I was like, "Now, now we're talking. Like now, this isn't just like kind of a interesting, quirky show that I will, you know, kind of follow when I have a chance. It is. Oh, the episode's out on Thursday. Thursday, five oh one. When I'm done with work, I am watching the show. That's where it it. it crossed into that level. I'm with you. I've really thought this episode was great. I think it's broadening the scope of what it can be. And I think it fundamentally changed for me where I thought they were going. I thought we were going to explore the any world, like what these people, like what, what they do there, the answers might be limited to their universe there. Mm-hmm. But when Dylan wakes up in that closet, this episode, I, I've severed you remotely. We are now like, okay, 
we're going, the revolution is going to be worldwide. This is going to be a big thing. And there are so many of those like little moments just in this episode that there's, I've severed you remotely. There's Mrs. Coble now integrating herself in different aspects of Mark's family life. There's finding out that there are part-time innies, which is an undefined term that I'm going to be very curious to unpack with you. The world is there. There are senators that are in that are in direct lumen employ who have severed their wives or who have severed themselves in ways we don't understand yet because it's not fixed with an office. So much is happening beyond anything I expected out of this show, and I'm it. This this is my frustration about. I I I have to wait week by week to watch one episode of these to then talk about it with you because otherwise I would want to watch all of them and spend like eight hours discussing them with you every single time. Well, I enjoy that we're on the same page for this series. We're not always on the same page. So folks are a little bored that you have two co-hosts who think the same thing about the show. Uh, just listen to any of our Star Wars catalog <laughs> and you can hear Spencer and I argue for sure. But I, I'm glad we're on the same page. I'm glad we're both enjoying the show. So here on Lumen Industries Radio, we will go through our segments. We start with a recap with Lee. I will go through all of the episode beat by beat. Line by line, if I if I feel like we need to, and we'll discuss the finer points of the episode, then we move on to best line of the episode segment that I and I alone am God Emperor of. But Spencer Gamely every week supplies me with nominees, and I will select one best line of the episode, and then we will select employee of the week, Lumen employee of the week of the employees that we saw, Lumen employees that we saw on screen this week. Who gets employee of the week? And then we will move on to America's favorite segment, what everybody looks forward to every week. When my job is done, I kick back, I sit back, and Spencer asks questions. And typically what happens with that segment is I will either answer his question in full, answer it in part, or acknowledge that it was a question. I'll let the audience guess from prior experience which of those is the most common of his various responses. Well, we're, we're starting to get to answer territory, man. We're getting toward the back half of the season. They're, they're giving us some answers. They are, but at the same time, just unlocking new questions that I didn't know were there. Okay, so let's jump into the recap. So we start with, I got, I don't know about you, I don't know when you watched it, but I got a fairly compelling commercial for the Beanie Baby movie. Did you see this? No, I did not see the Beanie Baby movie. Okay, so there's a Beanie Baby movie called The Beanie Bubble that Apple Plus uh, did all about, you know, back in the 90s when they sure, yeah. thought Beanie Babies were going to make you rich. And you know what the people should have been doing at that point, by the mm. way, when they were buying all the Beanie Babies? They should have been buying Magic the Gathering cards and, <laughs> and fucking putting them in an attic uh. somewhere. Because you talk about appreciation. Those things made money. The Beanie Baby, though, that there was a bubble. Anyway, point point I'm making here. Shiv is in it. The actress who plays Shiv. Really? She's in the Sarah Beanie Snook? Book. Yes, Sarah Snook is in it. Yes. Hey, that actually... It's a it's a credit to her acting that actually does kind of motivate me to watch it when I otherwise wasn't really considering it. Yeah, I and Zach Galifianakis plays like Ty. You know, like the little, you know, Beanie Babies. You know, the little Ty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ty. Well, Ty is a person apparently, a, and and a charismatic, enigmatic figure named Ty who created the Beanie Babies, and and Zach Galifianakis plays him. So I don't know. It kind of sold me on the movie. Maybe I've sold you now. Uh, from a legal standpoint, this is actually in one of my textbooks in law school. Have you ever seen the image of it's in the middle of a divorce court of where a, a, a separating husband and wife are dividing their be Beanie Baby collection there in front of a judge? Uh, no. <laughs> they, they are diligently arguing over each Beanie Baby and who, whose custody it will go. And that was at the height of the Beanie Baby craze. Was there, the, Part of their divorce separation agreement was they had to decide who got custody of each. See, now that, so that's funny, but if they if if they own a black lotus between the two of them, 
Now that you didn't, you might need some attorneys in to figure that one out. That, that thing's expensive now. No um, question whatsoever. So, so the, you know what you know what a black lotus goes for? Alpha black lotus now. I have no even concept. Sixty thousand dollars for one one card. No. Yeah. No. no. Sixty thousand dollars. <sighs> so that's what people should have been doing I, instead of the beanie baby the, thing. The that's pack, what I say. The packets I could have been buying my retirement with. I know, my God. Anyway, this isn't a Magic the Gathering podcast. This is a Severance podcast. So we jumped to the previously on Petey's Chip Reintegration discussion on June. So as soon as I got that, I thought, mm, we're getting June She's again showing this up episode. Again. Petey's, June is Petey's kid. Mark's sister meeting the other rich person at the camp. Not the other mm-hmm. rich person, but the other person who was rich at the camp. Alexa giving Mark another shot. Alexa's the doula. She is the person Mark went on. I would say... We thought a fairly disastrous date. Maybe it wasn't quite as bad as we thought it was. Yeah, you kind of called that one in the last episode. Mark not drinking and representing the you know the, the character that so Mark can offer apparently is quite charming, and Blaze is charming her. Though theories on that one later. They separate from the other departments. We don't even know how many they are. Miss Casey, a lot of Miss Casey in the recap. Miss mm-hmm. Casey watching Hallie, Miss Coble's office. I know you don't want to be here, but I'm glad you are. The, the, the line that we put on the front of the ship, we, we, we put the bumper sticker on the front of the ship, on the, the Mark Ellie ship. Mm-hmm. The, I know you don't want to be here, but I'm glad you are. Severance is a plan on mankind, and they're going to do something about it. End of last episode, they are from NDR, and they're friends. And this mm-hmm. is my guy, Bert, dropping that line. So we get a warning this episode consequ- uh, contains sequences of flashing lights or patterns, as established many times in this podcast. When they warn you about something, they mean it. It's happening. Concerts. We start with Miss Coble in a hospital room. It looked like to me, didn't it look like very, um, you maybe utilitarian? It, it it looked sparse. It looked Spartan. It looked Spartan. I mean, that's the right word. I like that. It, 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 it particularly with the shrine that we then see belowhand, it gave me the edge of like a like a, a, a little monk's a- aspect of a monastery. That kind of monastic style of otherwise Ooh. pristine, sterile, no ostentation kind of living. So my notes say, we start with Miss Coble in a hospital room, question mark, putting on a necklace. No, I guess that's just her bedroom. That's what I wrote in my notes. <laughs> it's a it, pretty it, shitty bedroom. Is that necklace Petey? Is she wearing Petey's chip as a necklace now? So that, so that could be really weird. Well, it is weird, but it could be even weirder than, it could be extremely strange. It might just be a security thing for her because like having Petey's chip could the board could we don't know what they're capable of so she might just be scared for her life or something we, we can unpack it in any number of possible uh, you know interpretations of what the psychology behind what she's doing is i just wanted to confirm the facts that that is indeed his chip that is now around her so. neck i believe so because that's why they keep on the previously on showing us pd's chip right mm-hmm. it was to remember that 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 she has that she gets a call from grainer we established last episode grainer might ha- be a little bit smitten maybe smitten with miss coble he says, uh, we ran the data from Kilmer's head like you asked. We found the signature from the console they used to hack the chip. Who was it? Ours. Grainer says it's traceable to Ragabi. Haven't heard of this person before, right? Nope. Uh, Grainer says she cracked reintegration. So Ragabi is a she. Mm-hmm. Grainer. And it appears to be that Ragabi, from what we see this episode, is either a current but rogue or ex-employee of Lumen. Grainer says, I'll find her. Koble seems a bit taken back by this, maybe. Koble gets down on her knees in front of some shrine. Is that Kier? I think that's Kier's music. It's that. Is that Kier's music? And then she says, tame in me the tempers four that I may serve thee evermore. Place in me the values nine 
that I may feel thy through divine. Thy touch divine. I wrote it touch? Ugh. It's even worse, right? It Can, can we... Are, are we making just even, you know, what were previously, you know, cult subtext just all the more explicit now? She has a friggin' Kier shrine and this is a holy prayer. Well, I mean, I do think that this tells us something that kind of answers the question we were asking last episode sort of implicitly, which was we felt like Koble was going off the rails a little bit. She was mm-hmm. not following Lumen's script. And so my question at the time was, is she a true believer? I, I kind of had the thought that maybe she wasn't. Mm-hmm. You were a little bit more on the on the fence, and it seems that whatever she's doing in the Lumen Place, we don't know. She certainly is a Kier believer. She's oh. certainly on board with that part of it. She is dyed in the wool. I mean, we get little flashes around her shrine, and there are little bits that say that this her connection to the Egan family goes back years of her life. She even went to like a like an Egan Academy like school, right? Was that one flash so. we see? Yeah, so we see some shots of the, sh- the shrine. <clears throat> There's some sort of poster or page that has the start of the word P-R-O-B dot, dot, dot. We see a medical bracelet. It says Coble dash, Coble comma Charlotte 31744. So that could, that could be the birth date of her mother and it could be the hospital bracelet Maybe her mother had when she went to the hospital to die or, or something. But 44 lines up with what could be her. Because she's, you, you established that she's in her like early six early 60s maybe or late 50s or something. Yeah, I'm, check, I'm checking how old Rosanna Arquette is. Or, so she was born in the 60s. And this okay. person was born so, 44. So that could work, right? For, it, for her mother. It, yeah, Patricia Arquette. She was born 68. So that could definitely work for the mom and date. Yeah. What would, yeah. So otherwise it would make our Miss Coble like 79 years old, which I doesn't, which I don't doesn't fit. No, in, unless um, they, they are in the cosmetic unless, industry. They are in the yeah, cosmetic unless. and facial cream in- industry. Who knows what they're capable of? But the reason I don't think it is, is because this person no, is named not. Charlotte. And then we see a, almost like a certificate or diploma or something from a Cure School for Girls for Harmony Cobell. And, so and it actually has her name on that. And, um, we've, heard, so it, we've, heard, yeah. we've, we've heard her called Harmony by several people under the context. It, I, I'm with you. It's most likely her mom or some other family member that way. Yeah. Did you get anything else from the shrine you want to point out? No, those are the main things. Just that her life has been spent connected to the Egan family. This is not just something that she puts on for work. This is a legitimate aspect of her faith. Yeah. So then we get the opening. Uh, same every week. Spencer hates that. <sighs> come on. Some variety. Please Lazy, entertain come me. Come on. Mark, can we go, can we go to Dorn, please, in the opening? Uh, <laughs> I need to see where we're going by means of geographic structures. You remember how big a deal that was when when at the, the in the opening it like dropped down to Dorn and like the world went crazy. <gasps> yes. Uh, little did we know that was going to suck. Mark mm. went into his basement. Interesting lighting in the scene. Side lighting from the high from the hallway. I think is what you'd call it from a production standpoint. Little little side up lighting for Mark. Mm-hmm. We see the phone. Still a lot of missed calls. Mark looks at it, closes the phone. We see him getting in the car and he looks pretty serious. Empty street. Mark is backing up and it looks like he might be parking in front of his trash can. And we see him disassemble the phone and throw the SIM card and the phone out. So it looks like he took the phone or either the SIM card or the battery out of the phone, tossed it and then tossed the, the remnants of the phone as well. Which a purely safety standpoint, good idea other than that it's in his own trash. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, it's it's a great point. It's like he's being really peculiar to keep all of the evidence. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm breaking to pieces and putting all of the pieces in the exact same space. Sure, Mark, I see what you're trying for here. We see Irving walking into a room with a lot of plants with Bert. You found this? Bert says, a while back, I came here sometime, just me. Now I want to show it to you. Irving says, it's beautiful. Bert, it could be just for us, our secret place, finally. What I mean to say is that your O&D colleagues are very nice, but they're also, Bert answers the question, always around. So they, they kind mm-hmm. of, you know, talking about how they like to be together. And while the O&D folks are great, they're always around. Bert takes Irving's hand and asks him if he's okay. And it's kind of like, a, are you okay with this type of thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, Bert tells Irving that the Lumen Manual doesn't say anything about lip-to-lip contact. Ooh, <laughs> so it's a question for you. <laughs> yes, yes. First time you, so you've been with your partner 14 years or something like that. You've established mm-hmm. on this podcast multiple times. First time you kissed her, did you ask if you could engage in lip-to-lip contact? Is that is that how you talk about things? Oh, we were in law school. We signed a written contract first. We had witnesses. Did you call it lip-to-lip notary. contact? What? Did you call it lip-to-lip contact? <laughs> uh, we, we just simply described it as contact, and there were an eight-page definitional attachment that we had to review thereafter. That is, uh, that sounds about right. That's on brand. Yeah, 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 lip-to-lip contact is a pretty amazing thing to be, to be putting out in the world. Irving uh, points out that it does, it does discourage fraternization. fraternization, though. Bert says, this can't be romantic, then. Irving, no. Bert, not romantic, at all irving and bert are moving closer and closer and i'm cheering from my couch go go you two crazy kids you're pushing too hard man you're pushing too hard irving is not ready for it yet the lip to lip contact the fraternization we've commented how far unexpectedly far he has gone compared to otherwise being the true zealot of macrodata refinement to come to this at least vaguely rebellion estate that he's in but there are limits. He needs to move at his own pace, and this is going too fast, too, too far, too fast. Yeah, he says he's just not ready, and Bert says it's fine. Just, just stay, just stay, and he does stay. He and does. They're, it, they're holding it, their heads together, and they they hang out. Let's be fair. Also, from their perspective, this is a little bit of heaven that Bert has found here. This is a little bit of greenery in their otherwise just dull office space existence that they operate in. Yeah. Cut to outside. We see Mark's sister with the baby. We hear children playing. So she's walked to a park, maybe. She's telling the kid, you did so good. You did so good sitting in this pouch as I walked you around. Good job. You did De- good. Devin's the best. Devin, yeah. I want Devin to provide live commentary on everything. Yeah. Um, now we're going to go home and see if you'll eat. So right away, um, we're hearing that she's having some issues with the eating, with the baby eating. And uh, she's mm-hmm. breastfeeding. That would be issues with latching, right? Um, she sees more children playing. She waves at the rich lady that she met at the cabin. But the rich lady doesn't wave back. So she walks down there. Looks like we both made it through. Oh, hello. And it is very clear that this lady does Blank. not remember her. She says, Devin, from the retreat, I accosted you for your coffee. Uh, uh, yeah. Still, no, no recognition, non-committal response from this woman. I'm as getting as suspicious as Devin is. This is like when uh, sometimes I get Spencer on the podcast and I'll be like, hey, man, remember that text I sent you? And Yeah, maybe that that's it. Spencer. That maybe we can just call you a severed phone phone user. Your cell phone is severed. <laughs> there is cell phone Spencer and then there is other Spencer <laughs> and they don't ever cross each other. Let me ask you a question. When was when you were watching this? What was the moment that you felt like 
you knew she didn't remember Devin? Was it when she first looked at her? When she when she first looked at her and turned away, I was like, oh, okay, you know, now she she was a little bit uncomfortable with Devin walking in the first place. Now they're in public, fine. But when then Devin then walked up and said, you know, hi, we both made it through, and there's absolutely no recognition on this woman's face. I'm like, oh, I have theories, and they're developing rapidly. Do you want to hit us with one right now? Uh, th- it was this moment I was like, I think I understand how severance works, but maybe I don't. Is this woman severed? Was how would that work? Would she, would, was she severed when she walked into the building of you know, like the birth the birthing community? Was she severed when she walks to Rastodome? I was still thinking that severing had to be tied to a physical location. That's thrown out the window later, but that, that was the process I was going through. Where, uh, Mm, she, this isn't just you know putting on putting on airs, you know, not wanting no, to associate no. with the with the proles. She legitimately doesn't know who Devin is. She does not. And unless we're going to go through an interesting medical diagnosis here in a second, I have a way of explaining that, and it's by means of severance. Devin and it only gets confirmed more here in a second. Devin says he looks like a William, and the ladies again taken aback by that. The William, um, no, he's Bradley. Actually, say what? Not William, you changed it. A guy comes up and says, did we leave the juice boxes in the car? And I got the impression that this fella did not like his wife talking to anybody else. He wanted to cut that conversation off right away. He was visibly intervening in the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what we got here Uh, because he says, you two know each other. Uh, And he says, uh, we we met at the birthing cottages. He says, nice to meet you, Devin. And Devin awkwardly says, uh, Wow, Kazal, which I thought was funny. Uh, The guy then says it's time for them to leave. And she just mutters to herself, what in the fuckity fuck? Which I also share, Devin. I also wonder what the fuckity fuck. If I remember correctly, uh, the, I, did we ever get the other, the woman's name? The, the, the luxurious rich lady from the birth retreat? Do we ever get what her name was? Oh yes, we do. I got, I got all the notes on the internet lookup when we get there, my friend. I wrote everything out. Okay, thank you. We'll get there in a minute. But she had very explicitly said that the baby's name was going to be William. That was one of the key things that Devin asked. That was one of the key things the lady told her. So the fact that's no longer the case and there's no recognition on that point is further hammering home in Devin's head. Devin lacks the information that we have, but she's, she's, she's a very smart person. She's already honing in on, these things don't make sense. Maybe let's pull this thread a little bit further. Yeah, and... Uh... So then we cut back at this stage. Did you think this woman was severed? Yeah. 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 I I started, well, I started to develop the fun theory. I, I, I felt like it was either she was severed or it was a misdirection. It's, they want you to think it. I think they certainly are putting it in your head that severance is now possible in a way that you previously wouldn't have believed it was possible. And then we get news articles later that basically confirm it in my mind. All right, Spencer. So I know you're, uh, academic type of guy, really intelligent. You read a lot. I'd like you to sit back. History class with our guy, Rick. And you ready? Oh, please. What does camaraderie mean? Most linguists agree it came from the Latin camera, which means a device used to take a (laughs) photograph. (laughs) Of course, the best photographs are in groups of happy friends who love each other deeply. But I think camaraderie is more than smiling together in photos. It's standing together in hard times. It's recognizing a common struggle in another person and reaching out to offer them a loving hand. Hey, this is like the Dusty Roads Hard Times promo. Hard times, baby. Hard times. It's like the Dusty Roads Hard Times promo. 
Uh, sure, yeah. Baby, you ain't what... seen hard times, baby. So, uh, were you as just utterly unable to finish this scene when he did the whole Latin? It's Latin. The camera, the camera comes from Latin, which means something you take photos with. Okay. I had to stop. Okay, so I saw, I saw the other day a poll. Um, I'm clearly not talking about any of our listeners at all, mm-hmm. but I saw a poll the other day where people were asked who is America's greatest ally and 40, like 3% of the people could not name a, a single other country. So That's very my question sad. for you is how much, how many people do you think watching this was like, Oh yeah. Oh, the Latin camera. Okay, cool. All right. It's cool. I learned something. <laughs> Maybe they're I walking hope. around telling their friends, you I, know, camaraderie, you know, it does, does come from the Latin root camera. Uh, I really hope more would have realized that, but I suppose Latin being a dead language and, you know, that period that it developed in being literally thousands of years before the development of anything resembling a camera might not be as common knowledge as I would prefer it to be. Yeah, I don't know. 43% of people couldn't name another country, so you know, uh, look out for that. For the record, I double-checked, and the, the, the debate seems to be that the most direct route seems to be back to camaraderie in French, but then the Latin connection through that would be basically the Latin word for room, which is the, through the now the modern derivation for chamber, which right like the chamber. Yeah. Definition. So like, yeah, like the chamber of the camera when you click the shutter and it, yeah. So that makes sense, right? It comes from camera. I got it. All right. Um, Marcus, <laughs> I knew that. Here's the thing. I knew that him fucking up the Latin root would, would trigger you. I knew, that, bit, would, I knew that would annoy you. <laughs> Rick annoys me in a way I didn't. There's a lot to annoy. There's a lot that's intentionally annoying in the show. Rick and the hits a level that I've not seen on television in years. He's knew, hitting every trigger I've got. I fucking knew you and Rick and were not going to be simpatico. When he does, the first thing we learn about him is he has a non-food dinner party, and I was like, "That's it. Done. Spencer's out. Not happening. <laughs> what What do I do? Interact with people? That is the exact opposite of why I'm here. I am here for your food and to leave. So Mark is reading all of this, right? And um. He comes in, he says, we should return to OND immediately, all of us today. Dylan, someone's eager to fraternize. Fraternization. Oh, no, no, this is, um, I'm sorry. This is um, Irvin talking to Dylan. He says, uh, fraternization has nothing to do with it. This could be the start of us uniting the departments that we here always intended. Maybe his ghost can officiate your wedding. Irving says, this is inappropriate workplace commentary, and I'm self-reporting you. You're reporting me to yourself? <laughs> Dylan is hot this episode. He's on fire. Uh, in ways he doesn't even understand yet, yes. Mark jumps in. Okay, you said they were making things? Yes, and some kind of machines. We didn't ask what. It's the clubs they murder those goat, goats with. <laughs> and you notice that Heli perks up then and says, shut up. <laughs> Heli cares more about the goats than anything in this whole fucking Oh, place. yes. The rest of this place can burn. She is rescuing the goats. We're going to go full silence lambs, just grabbing a, go- grabbing a little lamb or goat and just running across a field. There She's getting these creatures out. So last episode, I was very critical of Heli, and then you reminded me, hey, maybe back off because he's just trying to kill himself. And I thought, oh, okay, yeah, it makes, makes perfect sense. Admitted I was wrong, but I still, like, wasn't feeling like I would like her. Like, yeah. I would just but, – but this thing you with the around? goats has, has gotten me. Yeah, that's pretty charming that she what? cares about the goats like this. That, I, that gets me. I, I, as much as she likes to deny it this episode, I think she really is worried that she's playing a role in killing goats. I, I, she is not ready to let that continue. I agree with Irving. O and D is the next piece of this. 
Mm-hmm. So once we've mapped the floor, Irvin, to be clear, I do not approve of mapping. She says, right, right, yeah, like placate him, right? Uh, what if we go on another mental health walk? She says, could be fun. Mark says he doesn't know that they still have a lot of work to do. She says, oh, right, the work is mysterious and important. He laughs. That's good. It sounds like, that sounds like me. I got, in that moment, could be just complete projection, I felt like that is a stat. That was the mark that that Jimma, Jimma would get. Mm. He was he was slipping into like that sort of like super easygoing, laughing, can take a joke, can laugh at himself. I'll bet that's the mark that Jimma got because that's a that's a really appealing person. I think it, it was, and the two of them share a little smile that's not too private, given that both Dylan and Irving are looking at this and reading the signs. That I think the same way you and I are right now. And she jumps up. And he says, that sounds like just like me. And she says, I know, like sort of teasing him there. And then uh-huh. she jumps up and smiles and says, back to work, slackers. Praise Kier. Yeah, praise Kier. Uh, Dylan is watching him. If <laughs> Dylan leans over and possibly my favorite line of the fucking episode. Hey, mm-hmm. you fraternizing too? <laughs> <laughs> Look at all this fraternization after in this workplace. I fucking love Dylan. He's the best. Mark says, no, I, I'm, I'm a leader who cares about his employees and takes their requests seriously. Dylan, Really? Look at you all dewy mouth. You never smile at me. <laughs> He's right, Bark. You are ex- sparing with the facial encouragements. This is ridiculous. I smile all the time. Milchik. Hey, hey there. Uh, what are you talking about? Who is smiling room, his most big fake of smiles. Room fucking dies. Yes. And Irving and Dylan join Mark in some not very convincing repertoire. And they finally land on the idea that they were talking about Miss Casey. Mark then says, wait, where is she? Cut to Kobol talking. Part-time minis may not be as socialized uh, and sophisticated uh, as yourself. Uh, excuse me, Ms. Kobol. Uh, so, sorry, I, I don't believe you've heard that phrase before. Would you please explain what a part-time mini is? Please? Come back? What do we think it is? I, I mean, the part-time aspects suggest that they don't, they're, they're not there for either as full of roles or as long of roles as people like Mark or Helly or anything else. But it's suggesting that they, too, have been severed in some shape or form. But what's confusing is that that would just be, okay, well, they're brought in for a few hours or for a particular purpose, and that's it. But what she then continues is, may not be as socialized and sophisticated as yourself. And that throws that out the window. These aren't just people that are, you know, limited, severed, whatever else. These are people that are fundamentally different than you are. They lack, as we've noticed a bit with Miss Casey a certain key aspect of the humaning that otherwise is expected among, you know, innies within the Lumen community. Why that is and how that connects to part-time, I don't know. I'll tell you what I thought. I'll tell you what I thought. Mm -hmm. This was my theory in this episode. I I very clearly remember what I thought of this. I thought the lot that the phrase part-time innies was a misdirect. I think they're describing that Miss Casey is a part-time innie. Because she, her, part of her brain never turns on. Oh, there we go. She's in all the time. So it's a she's she operates with part of her brain. Mm-hmm. Because I never got the impression Miss Casey was leaving every day. No, she that's seems not the to stay. She lives in her little office in there. <laughs> yeah, she seems to stay right there. So I don't know. For me, it, it really felt like Miss Casey was a well, it, maybe yeah. And from Mrs. Kobel's tone that, you know, they're not as socialized and sophisticated, but they still must be held accountable for their actions. And Mark, how Mark responds to it, it's almost like she's punishing the coffee maker. 
She's punishing something yes. that is more of a, more of a machine, an artifice, a tool than she is what would be viewed by the rest of them as a full fledged human being. I'll tell you what this is like. I've got a dog and two cats. Sometimes one of my cats, for reasons unknown to the world, will decide to hit my dog right in the face. Oh, I wonder which cat that she, might be. She'll just no. You got it wrong. It's the it's Seriously? the cat that does this. Yeah, Frost does this. She will just walk up and hit my dog right in the face. Frost, I wouldn't have expected that out of you. Yeah, and no reason. And then we'll, and and harsh, and we'll just stare right at him as she does it. You know, like no zero zero guilt. What you gonna do about it, huh? And then I have a conversation with my dog that sounds a lot like this. I'm like, look, you know that she's not as socialized and sophisticated <laughs> as you. But Poor she, Emerson. I still got to hold her accountable. But she, I mean, you know that that they're yeah. not. She's not like yeah. you, right? She doesn't mm-hmm. know these things. Yeah, same comment, same kind of tone. Uh, Mark says that he snuck off, snuck Heli out. If anyone should be in the break room, it's him. Valiance, not yeah. a core principle, but sweet. It's but sweet. Again, even when she is assuming her role of just browbeating the crap out of Bark at work, the personal interest bleeds through. Yep. Mark says that Miss Casey shouldn't be punished. He, it was he that thought Heli needed to walk. So he took her on one. I'm allowed to do that. Cobalt just a walk. Mark says, "Yeah." Cobalt throws the tape on. Man, she's got that cued the fuck up for him yeah. too. She's entrapment boy. She's ready to suck him right into it. Uh, look, all right. I'm sorry, I'm talking to a lawyer. Not le- the legal definition of entrapment, but you know what I mean. The social did, definition. Did, did, did you see the twitch that was going in my eye when you Jeez, used that term? And I was stubbornly lawyers. trying not to comment. <laughs> you can't use that way. Socially, we use that I, word to describe I, when I, you suck people into something. I understand. She says, why were you sniffing around other departments while your department falls woefully behind quota? Mark says, she almost died. It's not your job to play nursemaid to every new refiner. Mark counters, well, what the fuck is my job? She says, I can't believe you'd even ask me. She sounds indignant. Mark, yeah, what is it we actually do here? And that sets her off. Boom. That's not a question he never should ask. Well, this is not Mark that she's ever seen before. This is a directly confrontational and aggressive Mark that's never happened. Even Mark asking questions, if you the slightest off word, he'd immediately snap closed again. This Mark's pushing, and she explodes back in response. Yeah, she is. Because, you know, if he asked the question, what is it we do here? Like, you know, like, um, what am I supposed to do at my desk all day? Fine. But she knows that's not what he's right. asking. What he's asking a bigger mean? question that she does not allow. So we serve care, you child. And until you get that through your mildewed little brain and hit quota MDRs, hallway privileges are hereby revoked. So get your little ass back to your desk and stay there until you're told to move. Hey, notice how she said little ass during the middle of this. Yeah. <laughs> I was almost expecting her to slip and say cute ass. Just back Cute there. little ass. Get your, walk your, sashay your cute little ass back Move to those dive bones back to your desk right now. <laughs> Mark does leave though, and he seems kind of pissed. So cut to the office, and Dylan is talking. Goddamn tragedies for the ages. MDR will mourn the will they won't the energy shared by Miss Casey and myself. <laughs> oh, a romance story in only his own mind. <laughs> I love how <laughs> this Helly. I like the most when she's interacting with Dylan because oh, yeah. she just she's she, sucking she, it. She's, she's going right. She's she, like, yeah. It's like. Yeah, keep going. I want to hear volume three of this epic romance. And to think, I wore this nice-ass shirt for her today. Ellie, Ellie calls bullshit, says that when he picked that shirt this morning, he didn't know she existed. Dylan, well, maybe love transcends severance. You think so? No. No. <laughs> he just says no. Done. Dylan then hits hits her hard. What about you and Mark? And she's, oh, oh, what? 
Like I, I, I'm offended. We're even on this topic. You two sneaking off the other day, baby goats. Why, Why are you saying, are you it, like saying it like that? <laughs> <laughs> and Dylan just raises his eyebrows. He goes, "Huh? Are, are are you implying that baby goats is code for sex with Bark S? Uh huh. Is baby goats coats for sex from Parkins? <laughs> no, they're baby goats. Why would we call it that? Okay. Dylan, okay, yeah, I believe you. And his, But his eyes get really big when he says, I believe you. Oh, I believe you. Yeah, yeah, sure. Look at my eyes, full of belief and trust right now. Mark comes back. Dylan asks Mark if he found out what happened. Mark says, she's in the break room. Ellie, shit, is that because of us? Irv comes up. And we're not allowed in the hallways anymore until we meet Quota. Starting to yell, so no more interdepartmental visits. This is his attempt at like doing the Miss Cobra. The tough impression. boss. Yeah, he's doing the Miss Cobalt impression. Uh, Irv uh, just looks at him. Dylan is annoyed and goes, are you serious right now? Irv, I, I, I'm sorry, Mark. It, it's it's my fault that I've been setting a bad example as the senior most refiner. And I felt awful for Bert in this, or Irving in this moment because, like, he is he should be allowed to like Bert. That's okay. Yeah. Like, it's good that he has somebody that he cares about that he likes he wants to spend time with. But you can see the guilt just all over him that he, like presumed to take a few moments to try to find personal enjoyment in this environment. That is not why they are here. And none of that was authorized in the handbook. And I knew that I knew that from the word go, but I still resisted despite my better impulses, the guidance of care. He's very much taken on. This is the good Catholic, good Catholic schoolboy that now has gotten in trouble for for the one time they went out and they're trying to swing back hard. But luckily, Mark's here. Well, when Irving like does that die on the cross routine, that's when Mark is like, fuck this. And he just slips back into other Mark and goes, which way did you say it was Dylan D? Helly smiles. Dylan looks around. And then we see all of them walking badass music playing in the background because this is their rebellious scene, right? They know they are not supposed to be in the hallways. No more interdepartmental visits. Mark just screamed it. And guess what they're doing? Walking in the hallway, interdepartmental visit. This is the most flagrant they've ever been. They're not just, you know, doing things that are authorized. They're going specifically against established orders. Kobo looks around. Milchick! Milchick says he's on it. We see the team get to O&D and they walk into the back. Bert scans them right in. They have VIP access. They go mm-hmm. right, through the, right through the rope. They walk into the back. Kelly says, this is more people than I've ever seen. Mark says, same. It's seven people. It literally is. They've never seen more people than this. Dylan looks around. Bert says it's okay. I know change can be disoriented, but MDR is here now. You are welcome here. Much as I hope all of us will be welcome to visit you at your place of endeavors. Bert asks if they the, have any the questions. The first half of that MDR. was some of the best walking you've ever done. Just kudos for you. Yeah, I, I, yeah, whatever. I go in and out of it. You, but, you um, lost it a little at the end, but you hit, you hit all the right vowels there. Yeah, well, I yeah, I, I think I do about a five walk-in, and guess what, folks? You're going to keep hearing a five walk-in. Um, so it's called macro data refinement? What do you refine? This is just a Fair. random O&D person, right? Mark looks around. We th- And they, th- then Bert explains, we think it might be supplies for the executive wing upstairs. Then again, last week's output had more of an aggressive feel. So what's interesting? Because they ask. They're you know, getting they- the output from microdata refinement they're getting like but the, clearly they're getting something from them because he's commenting on last week's output had more of an aggressive feel that's interesting so you 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 you, co- you connected those two I, I i was viewing them as kind of separative where they asked you know what do you do microdata refinement and none of them can answer so they instead just shift back is that a watering can what are you guys doing here but that's an interesting i thought that they couldn't be actually you know connecting the two in some way 
Because the line is, we think it might be supplies for the executive wing upstairs. Then again, last week's output had more of an aggressive feel. Mm -hmm. Hatchets. Freaking hatchets. Hatchets weren't aggressive. Felicia shushes her. Mark says they are trying to figure out how all of it fits together. They found a department opposite from here. Completely opposite. Other side of the building. Raising baby goats. Pert says, and I wish to God I could play the audio because this is my favorite thing they have made Christopher Walken say in this show. Mm-hmm. Raising baby goats. <laughs> <laughs> that is what he says. It was fucking phenomenal yeah. hearing him say that. Baby goats. <laughs> we're we're going to eventually get there, but I just remind me of this. How many departments do they know exist? All right, so we've only so seen them interact with each other. All right, so they know wellness is a department. Yeah, well, they got that, which is just Miss Casey. Right, but I mean, it's, a, it's a place. Yeah, okay, so we got that. They've got O&D. They've yeah. got MDR. Macro data, yep. They've got Goat Man. They've got the goats now, and they've got Kobol and the management offices, basically. Yes, and the, the Kier Museum, blah, blah, blah. Yes, the um, Perpetuity per- Room. Perpetuity Room, yes. But these are the only severed people that they know about on the floor. But there's nobody at the at the perpetuity wing. There's no people at the perpetuity no, wing. There's no staff on. It's site. like a yeah. It's like a unstaffed unstaffed museum basically. So, so I think the, that's what they got so far. So the fact that they've found a whole separate department with the baby goats is actually a really big deal because presumably this guy is severed, and they've only met other. What, there's only they've only met two sets of people that fit within that category previously. So good. Then Burke goes on. There's a lot unknown to us here, but we'll keep plugging along. It's a, it's important work, obviously. Irving gives him a bit of a smile at that. What's interesting about Burt and Irving is that they, I would say they're both radical, right? They both want to break out of this world, or at least they're willing to push the edges of it and question things. But man, they find comfort in slipping back into the, right in the, you know, right in the back into the vein, right? Slipping back into that, but we're here doing important work and Kier mm-hmm. will lead us and it will be okay. They, that, that comfort in a system is in, important in the for faith. them, even while they're pushing on the edges of it. Opiate of the masses, sir. Irving gives him a bit of a smile. Irving says that everything we do here is important. Is important, And this is Helly's question. Is it important because it actually is or because you're saying it is? Whew. Uh, get ready for an epic Mark speech. Mark says, maybe they should work together. Doing Felicia what? says, doing it, Mark. Finding out why there are goats or how big this place is or how many of us there are. I mean, why won't they tell us what we're doing here? What are they so afraid of? If the Egan philosophy is illumination above all. Uh, Illumination beyond all, but yes. Then why doesn't that include us? Why are we down here still? Why are we down here still working in the dark? And then in my notes, I just have in all caps with seven exclamation points, revolution. Revolution, and I'm with you. I'm Let's with go. Dylan. That was poetic as shit, man. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Yeah, this is this is that, the standing on the this is the standing on the you know the roof, cheering to the masses. Like we are, we're rushing Versailles. Like this is happening. Straight up, like, we are going. Like the Bastille has fallen. You know, viva la viva la France. Bert says Mark is right. Irving Kier would want us to feel the same warm embrace of knowledge and truth. That way we could be true partners in his teaching. Mark says, exactly. I think as the two department chiefs, Mark and I, this is, this is now Bert. I think as the two department chiefs, Mark and I should make contact with this goat department. <laughs> see, 
see what they know now. And we can each bring one aide de camp, and that's when the door opens and it's Milchik. Dum, 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 I don't think I knew. Yes, it is of our strikes back music. He walks it walks into that is now Milchik's music. I don't think we knew. Did we know for certain that Bert was department head? No, not necessarily. Now okay. we do. I, I like that he's taking uh, taking the initiative here, but you know the department heads should go talk with another department head. It's part of bring them in. <laughs> that I'm just going to point to you whenever I want you to say goat department going forward because I need to hear it more. Yeah, I don't. I, as you all probably can tell, I don't practice the walk in voice very much. I did practice the word goat a few times. I wanted to make sure I got that goat. Goat. Gotta get that down because he says it as a question every time. Goat. Goat department. Uh, in the meantime, Dylan has taken what looks to be like a badge with a guy. And here's do, how I can describe do, it. Doing, was, it, was that warrior pose or something? Warrior one. That's warrior one he's doing. With red arrows under his arm, pointing toward the second person in the image who is standing straight up looking at the guy doing warrior one. Yeah, it's very much in the same mold of like, you know, those like uh, airline safety bull cards that they have in the back in the seat back in front of you, like where the emergency exits kind of are. It's very, very much generic positioning kind of artwork. It doesn't seem like anything at all. It doesn't seem like there's any corporate secrets conveyed here or anything else of use whatsoever. But maybe we'll return to that thought later. We see MDR walking back, Milchik in the lead. Marcus barking at him from the back. We're not children, Mr. Milchik. We didn't do anything wrong. As they get back in, they see Kobol standing there. Milchik stands off to the side. Mark is leading MDR. Kier, chosen one, Kier. Kier, brilliant Kier. Brings the bound to the plane, through the torment, through the rains. Progress, knowledge, show no fear. Kier. Chosen one, Kier. Come on, Spencer, with me. No. Everybody sing it. No. Kier, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. Oh, 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 okay. Is this a. I mean, the, when, she did, when she did the first Kier, Chosen one, Kier, it started, it's like, oh my God, are we going to hear her school's fight song in terms of like the tone it was Kinda going from? Kind of what it sounds like, right? Yeah. It, it, it sounds like a drum line's about to hit. It, it very much did. It was some mix between like a school fight song and a religious hymn. And. It is a very interesting way for her to start this conversation and very successful in silencing the room. Yeah, it does. But I I don't know. Other than maybe conveying to them that she knows that they're pushing against the edges of this world and these, these rules and this everything. And maybe this is a quick way for her to convey that she's not with it. Like, Hey, I am with the fucking cure people. Like, let me, let me show you my, let me show you just a little quick flash of, of my cult. Like I'm going to show you just a little quick cult personality here. So you can see that I'm not with all this shit. I, I think it is very much an element of that. I think it's also an element of, have you ever pissed off somebody that's very religious to the point they actually start praying in front of you? I probably have done it twice this episode so far. <laughs> I, it has a certain element of that too. Yes, I've like done that. Yeah, she's confronted. Sure. Oh dear Lord, please help him. Yes, I've, it, I've gotten that before. It, it, I think it also has a certain element of that of where they've engaged in such utter heresy that she's feeling the need to invoke cure in his name and his and his words to bring them back to the light. I have some questions about this cure. All right, so Coble. Miss Coble, can I ask you some questions? Uh, please, yes. Cool. Yeah, so Kier, he's the chosen one, right? Kier, brilliant one, Kier, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, we pray to Kier. Kier guides us. He helps us. Even beyond the grave, he helps us, right? His word is bond. We need to follow his word, right? Is Kier God? And if he's not God, is he a part of God? And if he's a part of God, 
How does Jesus fit into all this? Go, Kobol. Okay, so here's what I have to say to that. Sit um, back down and do not question things. Uh, yes, but you need more an element of and move your cute ass back to your desk when you do so. But yes, <laughs> that. that. <laughs> Leave here now, Mark, and take your time doing it. <laughs> Sashay, because I so much so enjoy watching you leave. She says she trusted Mark, and he abused that trust. Your inefficiency and free-range chicken roaming. By the way, only eggs I eat. Chicken roaming? Only eggs I eat, free-range chicken roaming, Hmm. is ultimately your responsibility. Mr. Grainer walks up next to him. She says, escort him to the break room. Mark's face doesn't really change at all. No. He might even smirk a little at her. Uh, Did you see that? There was... I don't know what she reaction she was expecting from him, but that just straight up staring down defiance. Can't imagine it was that. So I'll share. So I'll do something you never do on the podcast. I'll share a personal fact about. Oh Lee, right? dear God, personal I'm scared. Fact about Lee. Go on. So I'm from the South, and I'm I'm like almost forty now. So like I grew up at a time where like spanking your kids was not quite as um, it's pretty normal. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't as like out of vogue as it is now, right? Like, so my dad would spank me, right? You can imagine. I gave him a couple reasons to along the way. <laughs> um, anyway, one day I decided I'd had enough of the spanking. And he went to spank me. And I just turned and locked eyes with him and would not break eye contact as he spanked me. And wouldn't change my face, wouldn't cry, wouldn't do anything. Last time I ever got a spanking. <laughs> Ended it right there. And I feel like that's the tone Mark is taking. It's like, I'm not with this pundit, this, uh, the, the, the rules, the constructs, everything I'm seeing around me, and I think this punishment's bullshit, and you are not going to get the benefit of me being upset about it. You're not mm-hmm. going to see, you're not going to get that. Um, you, you are here yeah, to make me reaction. feel weak. You are here to make me humble and cow- humbled and kowtowed before you, and I'm not going to give you the pleasure at any stage of this. My dad often tells that story, and he laughs about it, of course, and he says that he knew that he couldn't ever spank me again because it was the next option was we were going to fight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he, of course, didn't, you know, had, I, no, if, had no if, desire to do that. My dad I, would, would, I, yeah, didn't want to do that. If I lift the hand, he may throw hands back. Yeah, so it, that ended the spanking. And I, I wonder if it'll have a similar sort of thing here. I wonder if, like, would they know that Mark's going to take his sort of spoonful of fucking vinegar with a smile on his face if they change course? I wonder. Well, I think it's notable here that Mark gets escorted to the break room. He encounters Miss Casey in that very annoying, claustrophobic hallway that they have. She is broken a bit, and the fact that she's—I le- would say—and the fact that she's leaving at the same time as Mark, I don't think is coincidental. I think that they're just shifting her out now. They were just torturing her for the sake of almost torturing her, more to torture Mark. I think, really, anything. He apologizes to her. She doesn't have enough energy left to even acknowledge that. He gets sent in there. And the next thing we immediately cut to is staring at his knuckles, which look like somebody's been, t- like, a, like a Catholic nun's been taking a ruler to those for a few hours. Yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. Um, so, you set us up to where we're at dinner now. He's out to dinner yeah. with Alexa, the doula, and we see Mark has the markings on his knuckles. She asks about this. He apparently says he jammed it trying to fix a water cooler at work, or that's what they tell him. What I found interesting about this exchange is that he doesn't trust Lumen. At all, anymore. And it's like, I I would re- I really because I feel like Mark would give you an honest answer. I'd like I'd wish somebody would poke him a little bit and go, you know this company's full of shit. What do you suspect is going on? How do you how do how can you continue to justify? Forget forget that it, this benefits you, right? Like I get that you think it benefits you. 
but how can you be comfortable letting them take you for eight hours and you not remember what it is if you distrust this company to the point that when they say you hurt your hand doing something you sort of scoff at the justification and i think the answer to that would be he saw what happened to Petey. he does not trust them that they would give him an exit mm. so mark is eating this time i'd like to point out spencer mm. for mark for mark i'm not saying for everybody i'm just gonna speak for mark my guy mark i'm friends with mark yeah yeah eating better than drinking Eating better than drinking. He is nonstop eating the entire eating, first half of the conversation, but better than drinking. If he's eating, this is a good sign. I had a straight up cheer moment of when the waiter comes over and says, yep. hey, can I get you all any, was it, was it wine or another Merlot? And Blake says, no, I'm he fine. Got, he said, and I'll take a water. water said, I, I'm good with water. It's like, you go, Mark. This is exactly what you said last episode about the man, if the man can stay sober and attend a date sober and make that work, let's see what can happen. Watch, well, watch it live. Well, I mean, a couple things stood out to me is that even though Mark was drunk and being sort of sloppy, she never gave up on the last date. She no. stayed with him the whole time. Like, I mean, if you show up to a date drunk, a lot of people will just fucking leave. Sure. But she stayed with him, right? So anyway, Dula, the duel Alexa goes on um, and uh, Mark says, um, have you seen the princess talking about the baby? Yeah. She says, no, not since birth. Uh, Alexa brings her up, though, brings up the fact that uh, Mark's sister... Uh, Devin is having latching difficulties, which like pretty normal. Yeah. I don't think this is, I mean, this is like, there's probably a segment of men who are watching this who are like thinking this is somehow like funny or something, but like, I think it's just a standard thing that some people deal with. No, Mark says he's aware, maybe too aware, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, he's, it's, it's the thing, man. He's when he wants to be, he's a really charming guy. I think. The, the entirety um, of this conversation, he is a charmer. They're having a great rapport. She's really seemingly vibing with him. Well, why does that make me suspicious? We'll talk more about that later. But from purely his standpoint, he's visibly having fun with another person, and that just makes it fun. And he's being honest, and he's being open, and he's just talking. And that is eminently charming. She reassures him that you know this type of latching difficulty is very common. Mark said it's good that she gets an expert outside of the you know opinion out someone out the the opinion of someone other than Rickon, and they both have a guffaw and laugh yes. at that because they know Rickon probably does offer his opinions on the matter. Seaweed, um, man. Just use a little bit of seaweed, fixes the problem. And I think that this is the moment where this is a, this is this this is the do or die moment for her. This is mm. where she's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do I'm gonna something. Here. I'm gonna push here a bit. I'm gonna do something. And if he goes with it, this might work. Yeah. But if he shuts down, it, it, he's not ready. So she goes, did you ever think about having kids? He says, with Gemma? And she says, yes, Mark gets quiet. And I, for a moment, best friends with Mark that I am, I was a little worried that he was going to shut down and not engage, but he didn't. He did the hard thing, he which answers. is to open up and talk honestly. about it. Painfully, and honestly. Seemed to be a bit of a reward at the end of the night, right? Because uh, the, the end of the night went well. She went with him to the concert that he wanted to go to. She she accompanied him to that, which I think was a really you know, solid thing that she did because she likes him. And then of course they, they hook up at the end of the night. So I think it all, I think it, there's a payoff here for him doing the hard thing, which is to open up about something painful for him. And she appreciated it. Right. Mm -hmm. She says, yeah, we tried for a while. It wasn't really working. We talked about adopting at one point, but I don't know. Then you think, I love the potential line of the episode, Spencer. I got to make sure this one's a part of the nominees. Mm -hmm. Then you think, okay, this is the life you've been given. That is another life. You don't get that one. So do something with this and holy fucking shit. Do I, I, 
adore this line because there's so many moments in one's life where you have this these sorts of like crossroads. It's like, do you break up or stay together? Do you take the job, not take the job, leave the job, not leave the job? Do you have a kid, not have a kid? And once you take that path, that's the other life. Yep. You don't get that one. And if you obsess about that one, then you don't do what you can with this one. I love this quote. It's a, it's both a great quote. It's very it's it's a very good message. It's also is delightfully in keeping with the whole concept of severance too. It's almost like a message that you could send to somebody who is in. This is almost similar to what any Mark was trying to tell any Helly about. You know, you're here now. This is your life now. What do you choose to make of it? Yeah, she says that's very helpful. Healthy and Mark says that's ah, mostly stuff she said. So he's still he's still putting over. That's a wrestling term. Putting over, putting over his ex wife. Mark says. She was very pragmatic, always had a plan B. One time we were supposed to go on this camping trip. I'm, I'm sorry, is it weird that I'm talking about her? And she says, no, I think that's healthy too. And I, I think that this is the moment where Mark is in. Like I, And I don't mean that sexually. I mean, like he is in, like she thinks he's now, I think that he passed this little test that she gave him. And he, she now, she thinks, okay, this guy might be able to date, right? Because like somebody who's gone through what he went through, there's a period where he probably shouldn't be dating, right? And yes. I would think that if you were with somebody who, who had dealt with something like that, you'd kind of want to poke a little bit to make sure that they're at a point where they're ready to do this. And my guy passed the test, Spencer. I'm proud of Mark is what I'm saying. 100%. As proven even more by where they go before the night is over. Mark says, yeah, but we're on a date. She says, I haven't walked out on you yet. Mm-hmm. I guess that's positive. Yet? that the, I would have teased her about it's, the It's yet. playful. Uh, yeah, that, was, Mark, that was playful. Mark kind of smiles at that. He says, you know, sometimes I think she'd just want me to get off my ass. And sometimes I think she's not worried about me at all. That she's just pissed she's dead. What a fucking brutally honest thing to say. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's funny, but it's also like, I bet that's exactly how he thinks about it. I bet he's being as complete, as honest as he's capable of being right now. Which, he apologizes that he's not making sense. Alexa then says, these regrettable words. She's a part of you, you know? You can't just separate yourself. Oh, no, but you can, Alexa. <laughs> Which, if that hadn't proven even more that he's in a different state of mind than he was last time they went out in a better state of mind, the fact that he's willing to joke about what previously he damn near got into a fight with on people on the street and play off her own words and they share a laugh together about it, great moment between the two. Well, you know, I mean, as much as Mark probably does have complicated feelings about severance, there was some alcohol talking that night. Some, I don't think he spent a single second without a drink in hand during that evening. Right, but I also think like it's stuff he he wouldn't yeah. have said maybe not drunk. I don't I don't know that he would have been as angry at those kids if he wasn't like drunk and irritable. Um, well, you know, I mean, it, he it, probably. It, I'll bet sober Mark. I'm gonna speak for sober Mark here. I've established yeah. I'm his best friend. I'll bet he's kind. Of, I'll bet when he is in a good sober state of mind, he recognizes people have complicated feelings about severance, and that's okay. And. Alexa is a much more easy person to talk to than Rick and his friends on the subject. I would say cut to Mark's sister stalking the woman who was in the fancy cabin. And we see the headlines. All right, this is where I got it for you, dude. I, Write I, I it did all down. I want to hear it. Detective work. All right. Her name is Gabriella Artita. Artita. A-R-T-E-T-A. I tell him I pronounce it. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but that's how sure. I pronounce it. She sees on the, you know how when you look up a real famous person, how Google will put the little bio on the right yep. side for you? With, with the little Wikipedia link embedded in there and everything. That's what this is, right? Bio, Gabriella, Gabriella Artita, wife of Senator Angelo Artita, a mother who, and who advocate. A mother and advocate for change on issues affecting children, mental health, and improved well-being. A glamorous presence on the political scene. 
Her support of the senator and engaging persona have quickly elevated her and her husband to celebrity-like status. That's the bio that she got off Google. Then from something called the Reservoir Journal, um, Angelo Artita and wife Gabriella celebrate his re-election to office. That was just a headline. Mm-hmm. Um, cut to a different article. She scrolls down. We see this text. Indeed, it has been a transformative few years for the Artitas in many ways. Not only has Angela, <clears throat> Angelo, the former mayor of the pint-sized town of Willstone, ascended to a seat of major statewide power on the momentum of his controversial and vocal support mm-hmm. for legalized severance and since won re-election by an even greater landslide, but the family's home life has been further upended by what Gabriella calls a frequently traumatic renovation of their kitchen. It's hard on the kids. It's hard on me, Gabriella mused as she walked us through the skeletal, unfinished wall additions and piles of insulation. There's something viscerally upsetting about having your home literally torn apart. It makes you appreciate having a proper place to live. As a senator's wife, dot, 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 that's all I could get. Then from there, we see the Kier Chronicle, I promise it's always done. State General becomes leading figure in severance debate. Senator Angelo Artita. And in parentheses next to Angelo Artita, it says P.E., which I think might be the political party. The political party of this guy might be P.E., takes a stand on defending corporations like Lumen's use of the controversial severance procedure, which allows workers to experience two separate lives, one in and one out of the office. And the final one, a severance, a game changer, says local official. So, one thing to clarify. This guy is a state senator, state not a federal senator, one. yes. He, he has state-based power. Well, I feel like these series of articles confirm that this woman is severed. Now it's just a question of to what degree is it voluntary and how many separate identities she has and for what reason. Did she just get severed for the sake of not wanting to go through her pregnancy yes. and inflicting it on someone else? Yes. Which case, well, fuck that shit. I think that's exactly what happened. I think that that's the that's the commercialization of this technology. Yes. Is is there a, is there some stuff you don't want to go through? Okay, well, we'll just be severed for brief yeah. periods. Make your any deal with it, and you're good. It's like it's just like you're asleep. Yeah, it's, it's all it's all you know about it. You just skip the unpleasant times. How abusive is that from what we know about how severance actually works for your any? Yeah, but it. But who are you abusing? Just yourself. You're, you know, who does no, it no, hurt? No, 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 no. You're just I, yourself. I, I, I understand that's how they're marketing it. We know that's not how it works. You're it's abusing just yourself, Spencer. You're abusing a separate person that operates within the same flesh suit as you. Then we hear Rickon's lovely voice. He says, "Love," and she slams it, uh, slams the the laptop down. So she's in here. Devin walks to get the baby, and then Miss Coble comes in. Mrs. What? Selvig. Miss, I know, but I call her Miss Coble on all the notes. Yeah. Miss Selvig, as she's coming in as Frank's, as Mark's um, kooky neighbor, uh, and they do introductions. Question. Uh, was it uh, was it Alexa that uh, gave the two of them Miss Selvig's number as the uh, recommended uh, lactation consultant that she just talked about with Mark? No, I don't think so. Because she did say that she gave them some some names and numbers. Just want, I'm just curious of your thoughts. Was Miss Selvig on I that think, list? Because in which case, I don't think so. I'm think, getting suspicious. I don't think so. I, I under. First of all, your paranoia is your paranoia is 100 justified. The show. So thank you. Much respect to your paranoia. You should have that all the time. I, I don't yeah. think so. Let me let me let me give you the case why I don't think so. So please. Um, 
she, Ms. Selvig, so Mark is says that he, in the conversation with Alexa, Mark says that he is very aware of her latching problems, right? Mark lives next to Ms. Selvig. He could very easily have talked to this about Ms. Selvig, Ms. Selvig made the introduction. Yes, Alexa does say that she gave them names of specialists and consultants, but when Ms. Selvig walks in, our guy, uh, Rickon says that they are talking to multiple people. Yes. So and my guess is that Mar this is Mark's suggestion, and then they're probably going to interview some of Alexa's suggestions. I, I agree. I think that is the most likely interpretation. Mrs. Coble even says that it was Mark that mentioned that they were looking for someone. So she may have even just put her hat in the ring once, just saying that she overheard I'm it sure. from Mark. To be more integrated in Mark's life? Yes. In all stages and all ways. Checking multiple boxes here. She loves it. Um, she asked if uh, Devin had a vaginal birth, which is a interesting, like second question for a person in this it's industry. Like, doesn't raise any doesn't 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 raise any red flags for the two of them. Uh, yeah, still think that it probably there was probably some people going, "Woo, that's a little forward." She gives oh. her some shea butter for her nipples on the house freebie. Look we can explain to talking to a few candidates, so please don't get too too please don't get too forward here, ma'am. So, Brickin, <laughs> uh, 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 I'm buttering your wife's nipples. I think we've got, I think we've gotten past forward at this point. So here's the thing: I work in procurement, right? It's like it's one of the things I do in my job is that I help a company buy things. You do, and experts in our company very often will tell me. There's only one person that can do that. I can't be going out and getting quotes. Let me explain something to everybody who's ever said that to a procurement professional. Mm -hmm. These people are getting multiple quotes for latching specialists. Yes. You can get multiple quotes for anything, damn it. Yeah. If it exists, <laughs> there's a whole industry associated with it. Go get multiple quotes. That's best value. Then uh, Miss Selvig takes Lee, the baby. We need, to, we, need, we need to find eight different sources of the Black Lotus card. We need, we need separate bid items for each one. Please, go. I could, yeah, I could get it to you very fast. I could not get you one for less than 60K now. <laughs> nope. Sorry. We have a budget item for 40. Make it happen. Okay. You're getting, okay. You're getting a beta version. Uh, then Miss Selvig takes the baby and I am uncomfortable when she takes the baby. Were you? Uh, the baby isn't. Baby. Ba no, baby the baby responds. loves it. But like, I just feel like we know so much about this lady yes. that when she, it's almost like, uh, yeah, it's, it's Anakin Skywalker well, you know, walking into the fucking Jedi temple with the younglings. It's like, I, you can't let this maniac around children. I, I, I thought I knew a lot about this lady, but now I'm putting two and two together. This is a lady of very varied skills, including I'm pretty sure at one point in her life, she was a nurse or child care specialist. You know what she's singing to the kid, right? Uh, she's singing the Kier song. Kier, chosen one, Kier. Kier. Softly. <laughs> Brilliant one here. Come on, Spencer. Sing it with me. No, I emotionally can't, but thank you. Then we see a kid in front of a TV and he's counting. And this is the pivotal scene of the episode, I would say. Maybe season. My opinion, this is the most pause. I, I need to talk to somebody about it immediately. 100%. Part of the episode. 100%. I was flabbergasted. Kid in front of the television, counting. I, I was completely confused when it cut to him. Cut to Dylan, who is in a closet. Then we see Milchick across from him. Dylan, I've awoken you at home. What? What is this? A, this is a thing? This is a thing they can do with a giant, like, lever that's happening back at headquarters? What? With this, they can control people's perceptions or their identity at all hours, at all times, at whim. This is all, this is not just you know situational slavery. They own you. If you if they had let's say got coverage with, if they convinced seventy five percent of society 
to undergo the severance procedure to avoid things they don't want to deal with, right? Like for instance, I'll tell you one thing about me. I don't like the process of falling asleep at night. It's sure. it's frustrating. Yeah. It's a very frustrating thing for me. It's like I, sometimes I can't sleep and then I get thinking about it, I can't sleep and then like I try to read and I don't like it. It would be pretty phenomenal if I could just whoop, a severance and I'll wake up in the morning. That would be pretty cool if I could do that. But, but if they got 75% of coverage for severance for things like that, you don't want to deal with going to sleep. You, Spencer, whenever you have to text your friends, you could just boop, you could be severed. <laughs> <laughs> Just the moment in the act of picking up a cell phone, severed. Yeah, yeah, we could talk to Eddie Spencer. Childbirth, surgery, what the fuck ever, right? Then they could have the ability with one lever to turn the fucking brains off of 75% of society. Like, this is unbelievable power that this company would have if they were able to commercialize this at a large scale. It's utterly limitless. You can see why they're investing so much money in this because it's beyond just simply the immediate industry value. This is how one takes over the world. So he says, I need to know where you put it. Dylan says, where I put what? Milchick says, the ideograph card you took from OND. I saw the footage of you taking it. Where did you put it? Is it here? Dylan, holy shit. Is this my house? Milchick says, Dylan, listen, you have no idea how sensitive this information is. If someone paid you to smuggle out the card, Dylan says, no, no, no. I I put it in the bathroom. Second stall behind the toilet. Milchick says, thank you. Dylan says, I didn't even know what it was. He says, that's fine too. The kid runs in and says, Daddy, Daddy, I have never disliked Milchik more than in this moment. He grabs Milchik this kid. yanks him. And in a very evil, I'm going to say evil voice, says, we told you to count to a thousand and wait outside. Dylan asks if that's his kid. Milchik picks up the phone and says, end it. And we see a switch that Giant goes from switch. on to off. Yep. And then we see Dylan smile at Milchik and he says, we good here? We're good. And you can tell it's Audi Dylan. Okay, I have so many questions. We'll go to a few more of them later. One I just want to highlight right now. A car, he is significantly, legitimately worried that Dylan was able to smuggle a card out of the floor, through the elevator, back into the real world. What does that tell us about these whole scanners that are on the elevator? Well, you know... It might tell us it's bullshit, Spencer. It might, it might it just may. Might just tell us it's bullshit, or or let's give them some benefit of the doubt that when they say that they're purely just scanners for you know letters, that is truly all they can do. But that's bullshit. There are no scanners that they are able to move anything out that they want. Let me ask you some questions, please. So first, <clears throat> I think I say, you know what I'm saying a lot. I'm saying let me ask you a question before I ask a question. You know why I'm doing that? Why are you doing that? Because I'm watching the show Sopranos. And that's how <laughs> everything like, starts that way. Yes. It's a, yeah, that's how Tony does did, everything. He's like, okay, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Is this the first time you're watching The Sopranos? First time through. Hell of a show. Fantastic. Truly great show. We, maybe Fuck we'll talk man. about that during the gap time. Dude, it is it is extremely good. I mean, oh, I always knew it was good, right? Because it got so much shine. But like, I wasn't quite ready for like how much I love Tony. Like, oh. and I shouldn't. I know I shouldn't. But it, I, every episode, I'm like, don't you mess with my Tony. T- Tony was one of the first forays into that, you know, compelling villain protagonist. In the- Anti-hero thing that like, uh, yeah, that Walter White sort of capsized at yeah. the end. But yes, <laughs> I, I think uh, I think I think it's fantastic. But anyway, that's what I think I'm doing. Anyway, sure. Let me ask you some questions. Please. So first and probably primary. Why does Milchik have to wake Dylan up at his house to ask him this question? Why can't Dylan? Why can't Milchik ask Dylan the question at work? 
at least how he frames it is that there are some serious concerns that that uh, Dylan has been paid to smuggle out a card. Now, how that would work when he's severed, how he'd get the information in to even know that he you know was expected to smuggle something out. Separate issue that's not explained. But there seems to be an active time commitment worry that unless they intervene now, the card may be gone forever. And so, he's so that's moving, one interpretation. Yeah. My interpretation is that he's moving to prevent some element of competitor taking proprietary information kind of thing. At least that's how he explains it to any Dylan right now. Can I offer a competing theory? I'd love it. Love to hear it. Yeah. <clears throat> that we knew last episode that Koble was going out on a limb with allowing some of the intermingling, Anything allowing some sure. of the freedom. She's sort of, you kind of just, you kind of described her as she's got her own lab rats. She's running her mm-hmm. own experiment here. Maybe Milchik knows that. It's covering. And this is part of covering. He knows that if he asked it at work, Grainer, the board, someone could overhear, and then questions would be asked about why this department was at O&D in the first place. And so he, this is part of covering Kobol's tracks for her. I think it's, I, that is very possible as well. Yeah, how much I don't think going, we know, but I think, that, that's, I think that's the first question we all ask. It's like, and I, I think why the fuck does he have to do this at Dylan's house? Because this is obviously extremely risky, what he's doing. Hundred percent. I think I think the two can overlap to a great degree too. I mean, if this is information that's not allowed to get out, it's going to blow up in their faces, regardless of the fact that they've been going off script. They allowed this to occur. Do you want to know? Gave me like a. So I'm obviously I'm put the fucking communist hat on me. I'm for the revolution at this point. I am with. Why these am workers. I not surprised? Let's go. Let's burn it down. The thing that gave me the most hope in this entire scene is when Audi Dylan, when the flip had been switched back over. I don't think he likes Milchik. Did you see the look he gave Milchik? Like, fuck that. Like he, like, he is over this guy being in his house. He doesn't seem to like him. And that gives me some hope because if all the Audis don't trust Lumen, I think there's some meat on that bone. They could, they could do something with it. That's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that. But he's very brush off with, we good here? All right. And he just walks away from him with his kid. <laughs> yeah. Cut to Mark in the car. So we should, we should probably... Uh, now he's not in the car, but he's on the sidewalk, and he says, yeah. oh, "We should, we should probably call our cars." And she's like, "Yeah." And it's that weird part of the date where, like, what do we do now? Yeah, I think both sides want to keep is, doing something. Is someone going like, to make a move? Is someone? Yeah, gonna but you're not going to be like, "So, want to come have sex at my house?" Like, you can't. You know, there's got to be some oh, sort is, of like, is that is that not what you're supposed to do? I've been doing that wrong for years. Yeah. Oh, all fourteen of them, huh? Yeah, Dave. <laughs> Spencer, the womanizer. This is a new. This is a new. Uh, New character I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to develop on the podcast. That, that's another one of my separate identities, actually. <laughs> yeah, when, we, when Spencer uh, turns the flip so that he can text his friends without being miserable, we, uh, we, he becomes, he becomes uh, womanizer Spencer. Socially, ca- socially capable. Tuxedo on. He drinks martinis. It's, it's a crazy thing to see. So, yeah, they're, they're that awkward moment where it's like, what do we do? I don't know, like, you know, and, and, yeah, he, and he not just plays it well, because when he says we should call our cars, she doesn't give him a she, very enthusiastic. She's disappointed. Mark walks over to a wall and says, that's June. And she's like, what? And he says, hey, this is tonight, like right now. Should we go to this? Maybe Mark explains it's a band. He kind of knows one of the people. That's all he says to her. Yeah. And he goes, if it's lame, we leave. And she makes a joke. You mean if it isn't as cool as we are? And he says, exactly. This is, I mean, like. You are like you, you. This date has succeeded at extremely high, several levels. different levels. Yes, very for much. her to be willing to just 
okay, I'll go to some random fucking concert with you. Cause you say you kind of know one of the people and it's like clearly late at night and it's, I don't, I don't get the impression it's her favorite type of music. So she's just kind of like, she's ride or die with him right now, which I really appreciate. Also what the setting of where this concert is should be it's sitting literally every, an alley. It, it is just a random dark alley in the middle of because the, he or, says it. Yeah, the, the guy, the guy singing goes. The acoustics in this alleyway suck, and it's like, well, what did you expect? <laughs> it's an alley. There's no control here, but she still goes along with it when this is a place that you know you get murdered. So then Mark walks in. He does order two beers. So here's the thing. It seems like Mark is they trying to like peel back. Each. He's trying to like pull back. Yeah, I'm sure it was super. Smooth. He's trying to pull back and do like the socially acceptable drinking. Probably would not be my advice to him is probably to keep with the water, but whatever. You know what? He's had a good night. The lead singer is complaining about the sound in the alleyway. He says he wants to get it over with. Here's the lyrics to this song. Go on. I want to hear it. You want me to sing them? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Summer rain as I work these days. I feel a callus on my heart because every day is the same. Broken heart, broken spirit. Skylarks, fires, smash a window. Mark is filming and someone tells him to stop. And he says, you can make all this, you can make all, you can make this all come true. Build a sky in my eye that's perfect blue. I hate you, Lumen. You took my first love. Fuck you, Lumen. It's never enough. You think that you can fight me. You are wrong to even try. Everyone sings in unison. Come on, Spencer, with me. Fuck Fuck you, you, Lumen. Lumen. I hate you, Lumen. Lumen. Fuck you, Lumen. Mark is smiling, listening to this. Fuck you, Lumen. You took my first love. Fuck you, Lumen. It's never enough. Mark's singing along, as oh, is yeah. his date, by they're the way. They're both singing who, along. They're both cheering to the fuck you, Lumen thing. Mark goes I, up to June afterwards. The, 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 the I hate you, Lumen, and fuck you, Lumen, I'd be happily cheering around the crowd. It's catchy. Yeah, and it, I, I just get the impression that she, at this point, is digging Mark, and she's along for whatever. And that's mm-hmm. like the, I mean, I, I just, I adore that these two are actually having fun. Like, I, I really, I really like this um, mm-hmm. because it feels like, it feels like something Mark needs, but it also kind of feels like maybe something Alexa needs. Like, I mean, it, like Very she, possible. she, she was putting up with a, like a belligerent drunk and willing to go on a second date with him. I don't think she's got like a bunch in the pipeline. Like, <laughs> so Fair. I feel Fair. happy for her that she's having a good date. You know, good on that. Yeah. I'm glad for the two of these people right here, right now. <laughs> Look at that. Spencer's happy. He asked her how I she's I didn't get that up. far. Don't you put words in my mouth. I'm not happy. <laughs> Come on. I'm going to flip the switch to Severed Spencer here uh, soon. I'm doing great. <laughs> Whoop, Severed Spencer. Uh, you, you rang. Hello. <laughs> Hello, sir. This is my, this is my Severed Spencer voice. <laughs> I'll take a martini, please. Oh, God. I'm, I'm giving Lee more grounds for fan fiction Heavy about me. Vermouth. <laughs> Uh, anyway, he goes up to June afterwards. He asks her how she's holding up. She does not respond to that. Mark introduces Alexa, and he says, you guys are pretty good. She says, I'm sure we suck. They do suck, by the way. Yeah. Mark says, the last song was good. She says, you write what you know. Mark says, your dad would have liked it, which is a strange thing for him to say. I don't think he should have said that. She says, really? How the fuck would you even know that? Well, I see some fighting, and Mark takes off. He almost thought for, it, there was a... He almost told her, right? If there hadn't been a fight right then, he, he was thinking about it. I think he, he was, too. Yeah. Maybe I lucky for him t- there was a fight there. <clears throat> it did, I mean, my prediction at this point in the series would have been he's going to tell her at some point, right? Because this is uh, yeah. the second time this has come up. 100%. Where she's like, why are you even here at the funeral? And then with this, like, how would you even know that? Like, she keeps questioning why he gives a fuck. Because he's got to tell her at some point. Because one night there was a businessman in the yard. Yeah. I knew your dad. I really knew him. Not just part of my brain knew him. 
Mm-hmm. So anyway, they walk off and he says, so she's the daughter of someone I worked with. He died and it's been difficult to piece together. And she leans and kisses him. And it's own. It's own, Spencer. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Two, two of them. Good found for her. Hmm? The two of them have found some comfort. Do I still have suspicions about her? Yes. Do I have suspicions about everyone? Also, yes. I appreciate your paranoia. I I am a firm vote that Alexa's just good people. But we'll okay. see. Cut to greater knocking on a door, and it's Coble's house. Harmony. Did uh-huh. you find her? He says he got a tip from a campus cop at Gaines College. He asked her what the fuck she's wearing. <laughs> she's still wearing her nurse get up kind of <laughs> yeah. thing. I was doing some private research. Grainer asks, what's that a euphemism for? Fair. Just, well, so fair. Also, just like brazenly flirted with her. Yes. Like, I like that Grainer's shooting a shot. I do appreciate that about the man. Gotta shoot your shot. It's the Lee philosophy. Yeah. Always shoot the shot. Do not leave it in the chamber. Always try. Always ask the question. The worst that can happen is they say no. She says, Doug, I've had a day and I'm still trying to figure out what part of this conversation couldn't have happened on the phone. Fair. So mm. he says, this sensitive part. Someone's holed up in one of the Gaines old lab buildings. The Dean's told security to look the other way. Probably is Ragabi. Interesting. The Dean is working directly with her in terms of that level of intervention. That is notable. And something about these details makes Coble confident that it's her because she goes, it is her. Mm-hmm. After hearing that set of details, something triggers in her and she goes, it is her. Grainer asks her if she wants to go with him to find out. This this kind of smacks of like Dylan being like, I need to go with you, right? Right, Miss Casey? What? Like, we can go together. I'll show you the supply room. Yeah, it, I, I thought this was actually in parallel of um, uh, Mark inviting Alex out to, the, to, uh, to go see the band. It's that same element of let's go do this thing together that I just found out about. Yeah, except he's getting a firm no here. Yes, he is. <clears throat> um, <laughs> and she goes, no, I do not. Let me know when you have her. Grainer says, maintenance is installing tonight. I think it's a good call. What does that mean? Some doors are getting put, uh, blocking, a, blocking a hallway. We'll see more about that here in a minute. Maintenance is installing tonight. I think it's a good call. And he goes, so you're like a nurse or something? And she just closes the door. <laughs> no, yeah. more small, no more small talk, Grainer. Coble's done for the night. Uh, cut to Mark. Who was waking up in bed? Did you think she? He, did you think he was with Alexa at this point? Yes, I did, and she is right there with him. Kudos, dude. Kudos. There is a few minutes where I, there's a few seconds there where I, I question. I'm like, did it? Did it happen? I don't. I don't know for sure. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> did, did they or didn't they? They did. Yeah, good for them. He sees Petey flashbacks and Alexa's in bed with him. He goes outside to the trash and he's looking over at Copel's house. And as he does it, and he pulls out the cell phone and pieces. As soon as he connects it, he's getting a call from the block number again. He answers, hello? Who is this? Uh, uh, a friend of Petey's. He says, long silence. And he says, hello, are you there? And she goes, is this Mark Scout? Oh! Did, did you figure this was Ragabi? I didn't know at this point. I honestly I, was, I didn't either. I was confused at this point who this might be. What did he tell you before he died? Nothing. Just I, I want to I wanna understand. She says, can you meet me now? This is do or die time for Mark. It's now or never for the revolution, Spencer. Mm-hmm. Now or never. He can walk away, and I think he still has plausible deniability. But if he goes to this thing, I don't think there's any going back. That, that, that's where I, I put my notes, that this is kind of like a a real fork in the road situation the, for Audi the, Mark. He is crossing the Rubicon. You don't walk this one back. Cuts a loom, and there's a van out front, and we see some maintenance people working on can, All right, so can, tell me what you saw the maintenance people working on. Because I saw them working on what looked like a 
like an elevator and then like maybe like a hallway? It looked like an elevator. It looked like a hallway. It looked like they were removing existing supports or kind of metal siding and replacing it with something much more substantial and key coded. There is a new door where there was not one before. I'll be curious to see what it's now blocking off. Yeah. So montage of them working and we see somebody walking downstairs, dimly lit and then cut back to the maintenance. They're testing the cards and all seems to be working on the elevator. Mark meets up with a woman and she asks him if he's alone. He says he used to teach at the school they are meeting at. And she says she knows. Mm. He asks her who she is and she just says, come with me. And they don't have much time if Mr. Grainer is coming to that school tonight. End of episode. What a way to to end what was already a very exciting, continually flabbergasting episode. It is doing something that you love in a television show, though. Can I call that out? Call it. They are... They do not let the episodes ramble. They're tight. They're a tight 45 minutes and then they get out adore that this was the shortest episode yet at 40 minutes and it was still it was far and away the best of it just in terms of just how well structured with not an ounce of excess put in there you would not think a show that so much of is people literally just walking through hallways in silence would be described as a tight show but it is It, it very much is they don't waste time even the things where I was saying, I was thinking in the early episodes, but okay, it's a bit rambling, but it's intentionally so. I'm now looking back and I said, nope, all of that was planned, all of that was structured, all of that was intentional. There was not an ounce of, eh, we need to pad the runtime a little bit going on there. I just thought it was fantastic. I, I love the episode. I love the questions it's at. I love that it's broadening in scope, and I'm here for the motherfucking revolution. Let's go. You know what? I'm joining Dragon, Dragon Con at the end of the month. Yeah. I may do a pod like a maybe maybe if I can get you on the horn or maybe I'll do one single, a dragon cod pod, uh, that we can put on the House of the Dragon um, podcast feed. That might be a nice thing to do mm. while we wait for season two of, of House of the Dragon. I'll think more on that, but I also think I need to print like some sort of severance T-shirt on oh, yeah. and see who who connects with me. And I w- I would love it to be like I don't know something that that like. Something that like indicates that a revolution is happening and I support it in some sort of way. I want to show that I'm on team any, like I'm on, I'm with the innies and I need a t-shirt design. So if anybody has any ideas of t-shirt designs that I could, I could print up here to show my support for the innies of Lumen, please let me know. Lee, are you suggesting that you've been inspired by the holy words of our prophet Brickham? Absolutely. I mean, like you, the, I, I, our in prophet, we all know comes from the Latin term to make money specifically us dollars <laughs> Profit by means of cash and, big bucks we, yeah we all know that's the, the deep latin phrase of course meaning, yes i hate you to so make much US dollars um via a visa credit card <laughs> please stop Just stop i'm doing quotes now oh yeah anyway I, I support the revolution and i love the episode and it got me hyped for episode seven okay best quotes sir fire away uh, tame me, tame in me the tempers four, that I may serve thee evermore. Place in me the values nine, that I may feel thy touch divine. Just prove far and away that yes, she is a true believer. Yes, this is religious. Yes, this is a certain element of indoctrinated faith going back to childhood. All of that informs us much more about the character than we had before in terms of Miss Coble. Uh, one of the early scenes that just rocked I understand the universe Devin he's beautiful he looks like a William uh, and then the, the lady uh, what was her name again the the white the wife of the senator um, look, she is you, uh, you, 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 you look at a black continue yeah uh, 
His name's Bradley, actually. Devin, not William? You changed it? Like, immediately we're going, oh shit, we don't understand how severing works and how broadly it's being used. Gabriella. Thank you. Uh, okay, you already referenced this, but it made me stop watching for a few minutes. It rocked me so hard. What does camaraderie mean? Most linguists agree it comes from the Latin camera, which means a device used to take a photograph. And of course, the best photographs are of groups of happy friends who love each other deeply. Never change, Rickon. You're apparently inspiring the revolution. I at least can't fault those results. Do you get the impression that his wife just thinks he's kind of like quirky and kind of cute in his weirdness and that it's she thinks it's harmless? I don't think she thought that an instant when she was pregnant. Yeah, that's true. When she, but when she was in time, labor, right? he was no longer, you know, cute. But most of the time, right? Sure. Uh... Part-time innies may not be as socialized and sophisticated as yourself, but they still must be held accountable for their actions. Part-time innies was something I'd never really thought about before, and I, th- I-, I like the idea of what you've offered. We'll see more about it. Mark confronting Koble. Okay, so what is my job? Are you really asking me that? Yeah, what is it we actually do here? Then her exploding on him the way you already repeated. Great scene. Mark has come a long way from just even a few episodes back. Uh, Mark's epic speech, you already read the whole thing, you know, ending with that was poetic as shit man by Dylan, but it's a good speech and it is a proper revolutionary rally cry. This man is a fire, he is a fire starter now. He is a fire thrower. He is straight up looking to inspire people to common cause. And it seems like he no he's longer having an effect. Dr- he no longer drinks the liquor. He puts a rag in the top of the liquor bottle. Molotov cocktail. Lights stuff. the rag and throws it in a window. 100%. Uh... See, my notes are a little out of order at this point, but yeah, one from Mark. Mark's two lines that we get from him uh, on his uh, date with Alexa, the one about, you know, talking about adopting, and also the one about, you know, his dead wife wanting to get off his ass. They're great moments, they're well acted, and they're powerful things just in showing that it hasn't been severance, it has been interacting with other people and thinking, engaging more with the world that has really brought Mark a far away from where he was at the start of this season in terms of healing, coping, not necessarily moving on, but processing in a more healthy way. Right. Yep. Uh, June's line back and forth, Mark ending with how the fuck would you even know that? I was, I was legitimately thinking Mark was going to reveal all there and I'm with you. I think that scene's telegraphing at some point, June's going to be in the loop on this. Uh, let's see here. Um, uh, two two last ones for me. The whole Alexa back and forth. You know, she's a part of you now. You can't just separate yourself. Oh, but you can, Alexa. But they're no fun back and forth. That was just cute. They're they're vibing well with each other. They're vibing. Uh, but, I like that. Vibing. Uh, but really, top one for me, just because it just utterly shocks the status quo. Dylan, I've awoken you at home. I need to know where you put it. I was I, my appreciation of the show has never been the same after that line, nor was my watching of this episode. Yeah, that was fantastic. I completely agree. But my two, I'm going to pick a honorable mention and a winner this week. Both come from Mark. Ooh. So big Mark week. Honorable mention, best line of the episode, episode six, season one of Severance is Mark. Finding out why there are goats or how big this place is or how many of us there are. I mean, why won't they tell us what we're doing here? What are they so afraid of? And then the the best line of the episode winner this week is, yeah, we tried for a little while. It wasn't really working. We talked about adopting at one point, but I don't know. Then you think, okay, 
This is the life you've been given. That is another life. You don't get that one. So do something with this. Powerful line. Powerful philosophy. I absolutely adored the line. It very much lines up with how I like to think about the world and process things. Um, I just really, res- really resonated with me uh, in the show and then beyond the show. I really loved the line. Great, great writing, great script writing this scene, this episode. I think it's time to award employee, Lumen Employee of the Week, Spencer. I'll let I you wanna, go first. Who, who is your Lumen Employee of the Week? I want to do somebody new. I want to do somebody new. Oh, we can we do before. something first? What's that? Can we do something else first? Please. Can we say who the fuck isn't? Because I've got a nominee for who isn't. Uh, would manhandling children knock down Milchick a few points? Milchick is the, <laughs> he sucks this whole episode. He fails. Think about when he tells, yeah. he tells Harmony, like, I've got it. It takes him so long to get to O&D. They've already started the revolution at that point. Then he, inexplicably, at least at this point, wakes oh, up at home, which is an extremely risky thing to do. Let's that conversation get sideways on him so that any Dylan realizes he's been woken up at home and that he's got a kid. Then he manhandles the child. Milchick, ineffective and an asshole. Loser of the week. I'm with you, 100%. Winner of the week for me, I'm going to do somebody new. I am impressed with Burke, with Bert and his and his leadership skills. Don't think he has the same flash of other people that we see on this show, but he's running hey. a he is running a seven person department. What? He is integrating them together more than anybody else is, and making that kind of relationship happen in a way that nobody else I don't think I don't think would be fully capable of. He is the one that's directly setting strategy going forward about them reaching out to the goat department to find out what's going there. And at the same time, he's building his own rules in a way that he makes this job tolerable, not only for himself, but those around him. I think Bert deserves a lot of credit for being a hell of an employee on the Lumen Severed Floor. Me? Employee of the Week? I, I never thought I'd be Employee of the Week. I, I'm just so pleased with this honor. Uh, and, and, who, and who do you pick? Uh, for me, it's fairly simple. It's Mark this week. Um, Mark, Mark did is, a good job. Mark did a great job. He takes the beating from Coble. He speaks out on behalf of Miss Casey, who he doesn't really have any connection with. It's simply that it's another human being that he wants to make sure gets treated fairly. He then goes back. He charms Heli. He basically what I I took him really, I took that entire sequence as him sticking up for Irvin. Because when Irvin kind of does the like, it's my fault, I've screwed up. That's when Mark goes, no, I'm not going to let this guy sit here and and kill himself for like trying to find a brief moment of respite in this like perpetual lifetime of punishment. Like, fuck that. He starts the revolution. He lights the spark. Mark is my guy. Uh, he certainly wins human of the episode. Lumen itself might disagree on his credentials as, as an employee right now. Well, I have, I am pretty firm on where I stand. I have uh, turned in my badge. Mm-hmm. I have eschewed the severance pay. I am no longer an employment employee. Well, I'm going to continue broadcasting uh, my pirate radio on Lumen Industries radios, but I am no longer a Lumen employee. I am with the revolution. Please do. It'll make it all the easier for Mr. Grander to find you shortly. (laughs) Harmony, I found him. What do you want? You're Um, going to call me to invite me out on one of these expeditions. I'm going to respond the exact same way that Harmony did to Mr. Grander. What do you... uh, I'm still struggling to figure out what part of this could have been a telephone call. Uh, That's something you might tell me. This is a straight conversation that we've had before. (laughs) It certainly is. All right, Spencer, America's favorite segment. It's favorite time of the week. Sit sit back, kick back. It's time for Spencer's questions. Uh, uh, We already discussed a few of these, but part-time innies. Didn't know that was a thing. We'll need to find out more about that. Could explain certain aspects of Miss Casey's behavior. But who else is a part-time any? 
are all of the employees any are you know severed in some shape or form? We've pondered that before, and now we have a, some direct evidence suggesting it. In what way are they severed? Are these employees that never leave? Is that what they mean by part-time? That they have only part-time exposure to anything else that is, you know, human or outside of their given purpose? I don't know. I didn't know this was a thing before this episode. Uh, so, yeah, part-time innies by question number one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I told you everything I, I can tell you on that one. Uh, is there any limit to how or when the severance can be triggered or how many severed versions of yourself you can have or what actions are necessary to trigger it if this is indeed something that you know people could just do as part of avoiding annoyance in their own life are they carrying a portable little remote with them who are you trusting to control the severance process how do you limit your life to just that purpose is there any limit to how many separate severed entities you can have for these kind of things or are you just repurposing the same dude to suffer all of the unpleasantness to what degree can you know lumen just do this at whim who is flipping the switch? How is it being controlled at this kind of distance? What distance can it operate in? Under what circumstances? I don't know. All of this is new, too. These are questions. Uh, do the Lumen employees in the severed floors see the same things that we see when we're watching this show? When they see the numbers, and that's what we're seeing, when they are moving around data, well, we're seeing the numbers, is that actually what it is, or are we and they only seeing what the chip allows them to see in terms of this information? Is Mr. Milchick freaking out about this just random useless warrior pose card because to the us and the seven employees, that's what it looks like, but it really is something far more potentially threatening, proprietary, confidential, lethal. I don't know, but now that I know that they can sever you in all aspects of your life in different ways at their whim... I continue to ponder to what degree are we not actually seeing what it is they are doing. Or when, 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 when they're seeing goats and moving around data, is it not really goats and moving around data? Who knows anymore? Can't be sure. Uh, let's see here. We, you answered this one kind of for me already, but I don't think they truly know either. But how many departments are there actually? We know of three at this point that actually have some aspect of, you know, our main kind of severed employees with also wellness having a, a part-time any whatever the heck that means and other wings that are occupied by other separate people but i think they're starting to accept and i certainly agree that there are likely far more departments out there that have never previously interacted with our main ones uh what government influence is lumen going for it seems smart that to be focusing on a statewide level if they were going federal i think that would generate too much heat and too much attention in a way they're trying to avoid and controlling state politics can in some ways be far more powerful and far more influential than I think people realize in terms of protecting a particular corporation and their objectives. Oh, what is Mrs. Coble's actual job versus what her extracurriculars? I think we've seen what 90% of she does is actually outside of her job description. I would say, yeah. Well, that's the hard part is that when somebody's like so freewheeling like this, I think it's almost impossible to figure out like what, what she's supposed to be doing. Because some of this is her job. I, some of it is. I'm with you, though. I don't think much of it is in terms of what we see in any given episode. And that which raises some questions about what is actually expected of her and to what degree is the fact that she's not just doing that a problem. Because Mark's getting punished for doing not just what she wants him to do. And I think she's judged by some very similar criteria. So mm, fall, fallout waiting to happen. Uh, the internal rebel employee. What was 
what was their name again? Um, Rigani? Rigabi. Rigabi. Is that, is that person still a Lumen employee? Are they an ex-employee? What motivated them to rebel against the Lumen cause? Why are they engaging in separate procedures? Why were they blocked on PD's phone? Why were they still able to force their way through being blocked? Why is a professor of this school providing them such access and resources and material? I don't answer to none of these questions, but I now have the ball roving around my brain. Uh, the effect on Dylan of actually seeing his outside self. Dylan, more than anyone else, has been pondering what his Audi did with himself. He was he lived in a riverboat. He love-made with many MILFs and felt vaguely bad for their husbands. The guy had a very complete view of who he was and what he did. And I think in very rapid fashion, what he saw of the real world didn't match much of any of that. You saw that he was fairly well-to-do, nice walk-in closet with a lot of suits... But I don't think any of his imaginings pondered that he had a kid, and he seemed completely caught off guard by that. I have to believe that Dylan, almost more than anybody, seeing some aspect of the real world is going to heavily affect the any Dylan and his perception on things. And I'll be really curious to see how that plays out. <laughs> yeah, uh, he. Um, I don't think it lines up with the riverboat. Persona, he imagined. Instead, it seems like he's just uh, a you know, family maybe, man maybe in suburbia. A family man, yeah. That not, that, it does not fit his imaginings to what any degree. And these two we already kind of talked about, but uh, what is maintenance installing? I'm with you. It's a door of some kind with a lock badge on it, extra security. Is it coming off from the hallway? Is it providing an extra level of review of getting into each department? Is it a new scanner of some kind that's on the elevator? I don't know, but we'll find out. Because, as said, apparently you can smuggle cards out of the building and they can't do shit about it. Which is fascinating, again, about the complete lack of security that this company operates under. They have been complacent for far too long, and it's starting to bite them in the ass, and maybe that's what maintenance is now stepping in to correct. That part makes me worry for my any comrades. The, uh, the, the maintenance piece at the end. The best effective time to kill a revolution is early, and I think they're making moves. All right. Well, I guess we're going to see anything else you want to say as we wrap up our coverage of episode six. Probably my, I don't know if it's the best episode, but my favorite episode of severance yet. And the fact that's happening at episode six of the season says great things about the remaining, what, two, three episodes to go. That's a good question. Can you look that up while I wrap up how many more episodes we have? I think, I think it's three more maybe, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Spencer's going to look that up. But in the meantime, Nine episodes. We just watched episode six, Hide and Seek. Yes, we have three more episodes, and I'm looking forward to every single one. Spencer, thank you for joining me here on Lumen Industries Radio as we cover every single episode of the first season of Apple Plus TV series Severance. This was episode six, Hide and Seek. I don't think we got the title of the name out uh, before now, but yes, Hide and Seek. I think that what's interesting about that name is that they're basically acknowledging that that three or four minute scene uh, at Dylan's house was the most important part of the episode by it calling it hide yeah. and seek. It, it, it also could just more broadly refer to now, now everybody's playing games. Everybody's keeping things hidden and everyone's now in search of them. The, the, the world, the stable world is gone. Now everyone is running about with their own separate secrets. So that's what we got to look forward to. We get to see the revolution play out for the next three episodes. Thank you for joining me, Spencer. This is a lot of fun to watch you uncover the first season of Severance week by week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe. All that stuff matters to us. I look at every comment. I look at every um, 
message we get on social media, either at facebook.com slash Mangum Talks or at Twitter or X or whatever Elon's calling it today, at Mangum Talks. You can check out any of our stuff by going to mangumtalks.com or your favorite podcast platform. Type it in Mangum Talks. You can also leave comments or ratings or reviews on your favorite podcast platform. We check that stuff too. So thank you all for listening. Look forward to next week. We'll see you then. Hope you all have a great week. Just okay.